0: You're now listening to Vices and Vultures, a podcast on cultures. What's going on, everybody? This is A2. If you've been following our release schedule, on Fridays, we feature regular guests that are passionate about their cultures of interest. By now, the voice of Bill should be familiar to you as our resident expert on all things coffee. The following conversation you will hear is his original unpacked interview, where he gives more color to his love for the bean and shares the stories that brought him to care about coffee so much.
1: I met um, Joe, who was known as the BX Barista, through Instagram, like most of the people I've met through coffee. Um, And the first time we physically met was at Coffee Fest in New York a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago. And I don't know, we kind of just clicked, got along really well, and we kept in touch. And then the next thing I knew, I was being invited to go around with people I didn't know to <laughs> check out Long Island coffee shops. You're right. And that was the first time we met. It was the, I think the first time that we we went up to Southdown and Huntington and drank lots of coffee and got to know each other and. You know, well, let's talk about coffee, because yeah. I think we didn't give enough context to that. And so, like, what what is coffee to you? Coffee for me is is water and oxygen. You you need both to survive as a human being. And I believe that the third element is coffee. I've been drinking coffee since I was 11 years old. I'm 44. So we're talking 33 years of talking a coffee veteran. But yeah, I mean, coffee is. I I grew up uh, in Fishkill, New York, which is a sleepy town in in Dutchess County. My father was a correction officer, and he would get up at the same time every day, 4.45 in the morning. And by 5.15, he would make coffee in the kitchen, which was really close to my bedroom. So from a very early age, the first thing I'd smell every morning was coffee. And then eventually I just went into the kitchen and asked for some, and I'm sure I spit it out the first time like most people. Mm-hmm. Um, I was lucky that my father drank good coffee and he made strong, good coffee. He made it in a mocha pot on top of the stove, which is a very old school traditional way to make an espresso like coffee. Um, so I've always drank manually brewed good coffee. I didn't grow up on drip or really diner coffee. You know, I drank that stuff, of course, because when you're in high school and in college, you're just drinking coffee for caffeine. It's a totally different element. Right. And there also wasn't such thing as specialty coffee in the 90s. Right. right? It didn't exist. So. Definitely. Like I said, coffee's been around for a long time, a lot longer than specialty coffee. So people have been drinking coffee a certain way for a very long time. So it's ingrained in culture. Right. For some people, coffee is a warm beverage that gives them a kick of caffeine and wakes them up. Yep. And that's all they want it for. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's very true. And I have always felt that the, the most comparable thing to it is is wine and beer. Even though I don't drink alcohol, there are people who will go to a liquor store and buy a five or six dollar bottle of wine that is terrible and they will think it's great. And by all means enjoy that terrible wine. Then there are people who wouldn't even think of it who are going to buy a three or $400 bottle of wine and they're going to put it in their cellar and they're going to let it sit there for years and they're going to save it for special occasions because they know it's a very special wine. You get the same thing with beer. There are people who go after work and buy their gigantic tall boy Budweiser and enjoy it and be very happy. And then there's people who want craft beer and they want to try different places from smaller you know, small batch brewers and different regions, and they want to try different things, and it's a completely different experience. Neither of them is wrong. It's just a different approach. And coffee is very much the same. So for me, the awakening happened, and I like to call it the awakening, because for me, a long time coffee was dark. You probably needed milk because it would rip your stomach apart because it was just brewed so dark. Um... The awakening happened was I was in San Francisco for my birthday, and this was in the mid-2000s, and I walked past a a coffee shop in the Mission District, and I had never smelled coffee out of a store like that before. It just was intoxicating, and I couldn't believe it because I loved coffee already, but... This was different. It just felt different. And I actually was behind my wife and my best friend, and they were walking at me. And I stopped and I turned and I went right into the store. And they didn't, I didn't even say anything. They kept (laughs) walking. And I just went in and and I walked in. And the place happened to be called Ritual Roasters in San Francisco. And they had a roaster there, which I had never seen in a shop before. There was a lady behind the bar who could see on my face that I was clearly (laughs) in out of my element to some extent. And there was apparatus behind the bar for what would eventually become pour overs. And I didn't, again, I didn't know what it was. And I just told her that I smelled the greatest coffee I'd ever smelled and I needed to try it and I didn't know what to order. And she gave me a flight. They had, I think it was either a Kenya or an Ethiopia at the time. And they offered me three different ways to taste that one coffee, which was eye-opening. I didn't know that you had multiple processes. As far as I knew, you had coffee, you had espresso, and that was it. And you would have variations of it. Yep. This woman put in front of me a pour-over glass of this coffee, a shot of espresso, and then my very first cortado, which I think was called a Gibraltar there. Yes, Same difference. Some, some people do both, I adore. And I had never seen a Gibraltar. I didn't really drink espresso straight because, I don't know, I drank a lot of coffee. I didn't really think I needed to drink espresso. And I tried all three and I was completely floored because they tasted the same but different and they offered different tasting notes and flavors and, you know, mixing milk in, which is something I never used milk. I always drank my coffee black, but this Gibraltar tasted like heaven on earth. And I was just, that was it. I watched her make a pour over. I immediately went to their shelf and I bought a $5 Melita plastic pour over, which I still have. And, uh, and some filters. I watched her do a pour over, which I think was on a Harry V60, which is a glass one. Eventually I would up my game, but I was like, let me get this $5 cheapy and see what I could do at home. I brought a bag or two of coffee and I've never looked back. So, What's important about all that is their coffee was roasted very lightly not dark which i i am still learning about the roasting process but i now know that i am definitely on the lighter side of the spectrum which allows the coffee to taste like what it is which is fruit it's from a fruit coffee should be sweet it should always be sweet when it's not sweet That's because of the roasting process. So the darker you go, the more notes you're gonna get from the roasting process as opposed to the natural side of what it should taste like. And most people have no idea what that's about. And it's a very hard thing to get people to switch to because when you drink really good, high-grade specialty coffee, it's sweet, it's tea-like. You drink it and you're almost kind of confused. You almost don't think it's coffee but it's so much better. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't require anything. It should never require milk. It should never require sugar because there's so many natural flavors in what you're drinking. And I think we've gotten away from that for a lot of people. They don't really understand that it's a fruit and what it should taste like. And it's a hard thing to change because like I said, people are, they're driven in what they're doing. So, you know, I try and I try to Push people towards things. I can turn. I turned my wife into a coffee snob. She barely drinks coffee now. She only drinks lattes with single origin espressos. You know, that's crazy to me. Right. You know. <laughs> I don't expect many people to change like that, but it, it can certainly happen. I just. I. I wish people would give it an opportunity, but I, at the same time, I would never tell somebody don't go to Starbucks. You know, as much as I don't like Starbucks, you have to be thankful Starbucks exists because without Starbucks, you don't have third wave coffee. You don't have specialty. You don't have the shops you have without Starbucks. Starbucks permeated the entire market. They made it accessible to have a higher level of coffee, even though I don't consider Starbucks good coffee. They made it accessible in places where there was the diner, or just a bagel shop and then all of a sudden across the street you have a Starbucks that offered you lattes and all different things and without that i don't know if we ever get to where we've gotten now
0: yeah and part it's not only just like the product that they're pushing but it's the marketing aspect as well because if you think about um everything that you just said about coffee Mm -hmm. there is no there is no educational component for that in like general coffee knowledge today and you know the the missing link between that knowledge and us is the marketing aspect and that's exactly what starbucks did and you know like starbucks is just like any other cafe it opens a common ground for people to meet and just commune and all this other stuff and you know the same thing that starbucks did for me is the same thing that other coffee shops did for me and it like led me to people that eventually obviously that's how we met i feel like the best thing you can do for yourself is be open-minded about um some things that you already know about thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of vices and vultures and considering being a supporter of this project even leaving a review on your preferred podcast platform goes a long way for us there is more information about this episode as well as who we are in the show notes. This includes all of our social media links so you can see us and not just hear us. Vices and Vultures is brought to you by Aesthetic and is based in the great state of New York. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast for more episodes and tune in next time to Vices and Vultures.